In the late 19th century and into the early 20th century, tuberculosis killed as many as one in seven people. The symptoms of the then incurable disease were as bad as some of the experimental treatments that were available at the time. A sanatorium was built to house and treat the ill in Louisville, Kentucky, and it saw its fair share of death, several thousand to be exact. To this day, paranormal investigators and curious adventurers alike visit the property hoping to capture one of the popular hauntings on camera. This is the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. I'm Ashton and welcome to the Haunted Corner. Welcome back to the Haunted Corner. Spooky Story Thursday is upon us, and today we are talking about a very creepy place, the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Oh, this one creeps me out. It's been featured on Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, BuzzFeed Unsolved, all the good ones, so you know it's full of spooky stuff. The history is really interesting, and I'm excited to share it with you all, so let's get to it. The Waverly Hills Sanatorium was a noise around. The land it was built on was initially purchased in 1883 by a man named Thomas Hayes. Thomas moved his family to the land, and since there wasn't a school nearby for his kids, he decided to build one. He built a one-room schoolhouse and hired a woman named Lizzie Lee Harris as the teacher. Lizzie was a big fan of Walter Scott's Waverly novels, so she named the schoolhouse Waverly School. Thomas liked the name, so he named his property Waverly Hill. By the early 1900s, tuberculosis was ravaging Louisville, Kentucky. It's thought that the location along the Ohio... Ohio River contributed to the spread of the disease because of the lack of fresh air and the wet conditions. Tuberculosis, according to the CDC, has been traced back over 9,000 years. It was found in the remains of a mother and child who were buried together in a city near Israel, and it's now under the Mediterranean Sea which is a story for another time. I went down a rabbit hole about that, um, the underwater city. So that is an upcoming topic, possibly for Patreon. We'll see. Um, so symptoms of tuberculosis include a persistent cough, sometimes accompanied by blood, fever, pain in the chest, and weight loss. In 1875, Joseph Gleitzman opened the first tuberculosis sanatorium in the United States. In 1904, there were 115 sanatoriums with a capacity for 8,000 patients. And by 1953, that had expanded to 839 sanatoriums with the capacity for 136,000 patients. 
1906, the Board of Tuberculosis Hospital was formed and tasked with finding the location for a tuberculosis sanatorium. Eventually, it was decided that Waverly Hill was the perfect location for the sanatorium. It was pretty far away from the city, and it was located atop a hill, which provided a peaceful environment and plenty of fresh air for the patients to enjoy. A two-story wooden sanatorium was opened in 1910, and it consisted of an administrative building with two open-air pavilions, each housing 20 patients. And this would be a center for treatment of early cases of tuberculosis. In August of 1912, all tuberculosis patients that were housed at City Hospital in Louisville were, tra were transferred to temporary tent quarters on the grounds of Waverly Hill during during the construction of a hospital that was capable of handling advanced cases. Later that year, a hospital for advanced cases opened and was capable of housing another 40 patients. In 1914, a children's pavilion was built and it added another 50 beds, which made the known capacity around 130 patients. The Children's Pavilion was not only for sick children, but also for the children of tuberculosis patients who could not be cared for otherwise. It quickly became clear, though, that a larger building was needed to treat patients. The wooden structure of the hospital was in constant need of repair, and there was a need for a more durable structure to be able to house more beds. So construction on a five-story building that could house over 400 patients began in March of 1924. And it was completed two years later and opened on October 17, 1926. It was a very large and beautiful building. It was over 180,000 square feet. It included separate rooms for patients rather than communal ones. It had sunrooms, labs, and recreation rooms. And as mentioned, it was designed to hold up to 400 patients, which was really nothing to the now pandemic level illness that was ravaging the state. I read one report that said at this time, 2,000 people were dying each day of tuberculosis in Kentucky alone. The community at Waverly Hill became its own city complete with its own zip code and a post office. Much of the necessities were carried out within the community as well. They raised their own um, meat for slaughtering, so they raised their own animals. They slaughtered them and they butchered their own meat. They grew fruits and vegetables and maintained their own water treatment facility. They had laundry facilities and an auto garage. The facilities had to support the patients and also the doctors and nurses and other staff who worked at the sanatorium. Because of how infectious the, the disease was, they had to separate themselves from the rest of society. So um, it was a very isolated place. When Waverly Hill opened, it was considered the most advanced tuberculosis hospital in the world, but there was still so much about tuberculosis and the treatments that were unknown at the time. 
The most common treatments were exposure to sunlight, bed rest, healthy foods, and fresh air. When sunlight wasn't available, patients would be treated with heat lamps that would mimic the sun and provide some relief to the patients. But there were other treatments that were being used at Waverly Hill that were maybe not as great. (laughs) One surgery for the treatment of tuberculosis was called thoracoplasty. It included the removal of multiple ribs with the intention of collapsing the lung. While some doctors preferred to only remove two or three ribs at a time, some patients required as many as eight ribs to be removed. Another treatment was called artificial pneumothorax, which involved blowing air into either side of either the lung itself or the cavity between the lungs in order to artificially collapse the disease portion of the lung, which allowed it to rest and heal. The patients who were lucky enough to heal and recover from the illness left the hospital through the front door. However, there were several thousand who weren't as lucky and would end up leaving through a tunnel within the hospital that became known as the body chute. This tunnel was 500 feet long, and it was initially built as a way to transport supplies within the, within the hospital. But as time went on and things became really grim, it was used as a way to keep the morale of patients up. Because when you're battling this horrible disease and seeing people dying and being wheeled down the hall every day, it can definitely affect your mental health and your outlook on your life. So who would have thought, right? So when people were dying every single day, administrators decided to use the tunnel as a way to transport the bodies of the dead to the train tracks where they would be transported out of town without the other patients seeing all of the bodies being taken away. Following the introduction of streptomycin in 1943, the number of tuberculosis cases gradually decreased until there was no longer a need for such a large hospital. The remaining patients were sent to Hazelwood Sanatorium in Louisville, and Waverly Hills closed in June of 1961. Since that time, several different groups of people have purchased the property and attempted to use it for other purposes. The building was reopened in 1962 as Woodhaven Geriatric Center. It was a nursing home primarily treating aging patients with various stages of dementia and mobility limits, but it eventually failed because it was severely understaffed and overcrowded, and it also had reports of patient neglect, and it was closed by the state of Kentucky in 1982. A developer named J. Clifford Todd bought the hospital in 1983 for $3 million. He and an architect wanted to convert it into a minimum security prison for the state, but the developers dropped the plan after neighbors protested this, and they eventually protest, or proposed converting it into apartments, of course, because everything gets turned into apartments these days, but eventually that fell through as well. 
In March of 1996, a man named Robert Alberhosky bought Waverly Hills and the surrounding area. And he had a foundation called Christ the Redeemer Foundation Incorporated. And they made plans to construct the world's tallest statue of Jesus on the site, along with an arts and worship center. So it was said to be a 150-foot tall and 150-foot wide statue of Jesus situated on the roof of the sanatorium. And it was going to cost $4 million in the first phase. And then the second phase would be to convert the sanatorium into a chapel, a theater, and a gift shop, and that would cost another $8 million. So this was a very big idea, but eventually it also fell through because in a period of a year, there was only $3,000 raised towards the project. So um, that didn't go so well. So after that failed effort, Waverly Hill was sold to Tina and Charlie Mattingly in 2001. Charlie Mattingly's father worked as an orderly at Waverly Hills for four years, and they now hold tours of Waverly Hill, and they host a haunted house attraction each year. And all of those proceeds from the haunted house go, and the tours go toward the restoration of the property. So let's get into the ghosts. Like I mentioned, everyone and their grandma has investigated this place. Ghost hunters, ghost adventures, all of them. I remember the first time I watched an episode about a paranormal investigation at Waverly Hill. I'm pretty sure it was ghost hunters. And the body body shoot is what stuck with me. (laughs) Can you imagine the amount of energy that has to be contained there? So much death and darkness surrounding the property and specifically the tunnel. And while a majority of the deaths on the property came from patients, there were at least two reported deaths of nurses on the property, both of whom died by suicide. It's said that one of them left their death from a balcony. Stories have circulated of lights appearing in windows, door slamming, a little girl being seen running around the third floor. People have also reported hearing voices and singing as well as being touched by someone or something who is not there. It's stories like this that fuel the haunted history of the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. One specific tale involves a man in a white coat who has been seen walking in the kitchen while the smell of food cooking wafts through the air. A young boy has been seen playing with his leather ball on the floor. He's said to have been a young boy named Timmy, who was around seven years old when he died at the sanatorium. He's said to make balls move on their own before disappearing when you approach him. Other common sightings include an older woman with chains around her wrists, often believed to have been a resident when the building was a geriatric center. Apparently, this ghost howls for help, only to run away screaming when anyone approaches her. 
The fourth floor is regarded as one of the most haunted areas in the hospital. Shadows have been reported lurking, and there have also been reports of doors slamming in areas of the hospital that are off-limits to guests. Many stories of hauntings come from the room 502. This room is where it's said that the head nurse, Mary Hillenberg, died by suicide as well by hanging just outside of the room. It's reported that she became pregnant out of wedlock, and due to this distress, she took her own life. The apparition of a young woman has been captured on camera in this location, and it's said to be the apparition of young Mary. Voices and cold spots have been felt throughout the tunnel, also known as the body chute. Children have been heard talking and singing Ring Around the Rosie as well. With all of the death and darkness surrounding the history of the sanatorium, it's no wonder that it's considered one of the most haunted places in Kentucky. And that is the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. The sources for today's episode will be listed in the show notes and also on the blog post for the episode at www.thehauntedcorner.com. Check out the other episodes of The Haunted Corner available now wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts with new episodes dropping every Monday and Thursday. For exclusive content and access to our Patreon-only Facebook group, please join us over on Patreon. The very first exclusive episode of on our Patreon is available now. It's Cruise Ship Disappearances Part 1. It's available at the $1 per month level on up. And if you join at the $5 per month level, you'll have access to an upcoming episode one week early, and you'll get an exclusive The Haunted Corner sticker after donating for three months, plus a lot more. Follow us on social media at The Haunted Corner on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. If you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to tell a friend. And if you have a case suggestion or correction to share, please send it to thehauntedcorner at gmail.com or submit it through the website. I hope you all have a wonderful holiday weekend, and we will see you back here on Monday. Until next time, be kind and take care of yourselves, and we'll see you then. Bye.